Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles and want to turn to the scripture we'll be looking at this morning, it is that scripture, Galatians chapter 5, 13 to 26. Thank you so much for all your best wishes and, our, and congratulations on our anniversary last week. As so many of you uh, went out of your way for us, and thank you so much for that. I, appreci- I appreciate that. Well, we've been looking at spiritual growth, spiritual formation. I wish that the older we became, the more spiritually mature we would become. I wish that it were automatic, but it doesn't work that way, does it? That's why when when we're talking talking about the stages of spiritual growth, I want to encourage you to grow to maturity in Christ. When I was a kid, they used to give out pins for perfect attendance in Sunday school. I got one of those pins. Of course, that had more to do with my parents than uh, it had to do with me. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Um, but I'm, uh, there were a few others who got pins that day. But I'm not even sure they're walking with the Lord right now. Perfect attendance in church doesn't make you spiritually mature. I hope it helps, but it's not a foregone conclusion. There was an old minister named Vance Havner He used to say, you know, if people were put in Sunday school on the basis of their maturity, there would be a lot of 60-year-olds sitting on those tiny seats in the grade one class. Um, Well, we're going to, uh, this morning, I want to talk about the stages of spiritual formation. I want to page a path so you can see where you are on the path and where you're going on the path. Last week, we looked at the first stage awakening. This week we're going to uh, cover the other three stages, renunciation and cleansing, illumination and aliveness, deep union. These stages not only describe our overall union, but they also describe different areas, can be applied to different areas of our life. You might remember that last week there were two parts to awakening. Um, There is God's part, And we encounter God, and then there's also our part. Uh, There's two emotions that come with that. There is comfort, uh, for God loves me and I know it. And then there is the threat because God's calling me to change, and change is hard. You know when you're you're getting close to, to this stage when, well, the Christian life becomes more than just an experiment. You decide that Jesus' way is the best way, and you are going to choose to follow him. The song in this stage is, I have decided, help me out, to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And that's where we get launched into stage two, calling it renunciation and cleansing. Big words, you'll see what I mean. Scripture you heard this morning. 
So I say by the Spirit, Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to, to do whatever you want. In this stage of spiritual growth, it's, uh, we bring our behaviors and desires into increasing harmony with our growing understanding of what it means to be Christ-like. Now, there are different phases to this stage of spiritual growth. It's kind of like a, a farmer who is preparing a previously untilled piece of uh, ground, a field for planting, or a gardener who is just about to plant a huge garden in a place where a garden hasn't been. The first thing that he or she does is to go over the field, removing the big rocks. These are, represent the, the blatant sins in our lives. The, the fathers and the mothers of the faith used to, to call these the, the gross sins. We read about those in our scripture reading from uh, verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sensual immorality, impurity, uh, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. We get the next uh, slide there. Um, whoops, I must have missed it. My fault. Sorry about that. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy and drunkenness and orgies, and the like. When you become a Christian, God goes through your life, and in cooperation with you, he removes these big rocks. The next phase in this stage is clearing the field is, is God in cooperation with us, going through our lives, and he removes the big stones. These are the things that well, might be acceptable in culture, but aren't acceptable uh, scripturally. Or they may be even things that are biblically acceptable, but given your internal wiring, uh, they may be wrong for you. You may be wired in such a way where God may convict you of watching a particular program or a particular type of program or movie. You know that other Christians are watching these, but he may convict you that these aren't for you. He may convict you in how you spend your time, your money. Romans 14, Paul was dealing with the whole issue of eating meat. Some people were eating meat. Other people were eating only vegetables. This didn't have anything to do with vegetarianism, by the way. It, it had to do with um, some meat that they would buy in the market had been previously offered idols. And they weren't sure where the, the meat was coming from. And so, you know, should I eat meat that was possibly sacrificed to idols? Or, you know, should I just uh, abstain from meat and eat vegetables only? Basically, Paul says, well, you need to be guided by your conscience. Don't condemn those who come to a different place than you are on those kind of issues. People, there will be things and places that God calls you to stay away from, that he doesn't call other Christians to stay away from. 
There will be things and places that God calls you towards that he doesn't call other Christians towards. First of all, don't judge others. Don't judge others. They're judged by their master in heaven, not by you. And make sure that what you're doing isn't harming the faith of others. If what you're doing because you have freedom to do it is tempting to others, then don't do it. Um, but those are, God calls us away and towards those kind of things to see what God is doing. He says he's removing the, the stones in our life. So again, I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. This isn't talking about something that is legalistic. It's talking about something that God is leading you into or God is leading you out of. I know people who were saved out of the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll scene of the 60s, 70s. And they couldn't listen to rock music because it brought them back to places where, in their mind, where they shouldn't go. It stirred up passions that shouldn't have been stirred up. And so they couldn't listen to a particular kind of music. That is God removing particular stones in a particular field. You may be in that phase right now. Here's my word of encouragement to you, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. There's another phase in this particular stage, and sometimes family cultures from... Uh, the family culture from our past or the wounds of our past shape ungodly and unhealthy responses in the present. God wants to reshape those mental structures and he wants to heal those wounds. If you grew up in a family that was racist or overly critical or emotionally toxic, these things probably influence you in an ungodly way. If you grew up in a family where you didn't receive the good that you were to receive, or you received the bad that you were not to receive, um, then chances are that you will need to either relearn or be healed. And that's part of what God does on this stage. All of us have those kind of things in our lives. Sometimes we're on a spiritual journey for a long time before God brings up some of those things. But God is looking to create this beautiful, beautiful garden. I grew up on a farm. I remember once Dad sent me out to disc a field, so I was driving the tractor, big disc behind it, and I was disking along, and things were going well, and going round and round the field. Saw this little dark area kind of in the middle of the field, and didn't think too much of it, and I drove into it, and I got stuck. And wow, did I get stuck. It took me a long time to get out of there. That happens in our lives as well. You know, things are going okay. And then we hit this bog. 
God not only wants to help you avoid the bog, he wants to dry up the bog so it becomes a healthy place in the garden as well. So the song that best describes this stage is little by little, day by day, little by little in every way, my Jesus is changing me. Since I made a turnabout face, I've been growing in his grace. My Jesus is changing me. Changing us. Rocks. Stones. Littler stones. Let's move on to the next stage. Spiritual growth. Illumination and aliveness. So, you know, God was... We're learning to renunciate and... Uh, the rocks in our lives and getting those removed. As with the other stages, uh, this one has different phases. The first phase in this is total consecration. Rather than having, being in charge of my relationship with God, God becomes in charge of my relationship. Uh, God is in absolute control of our relationship. See, up until this point, there was a decision to be made with each new rock, each new stone you encountered. You felt, yeah, God's calling me to give that up, or God's calling me towards that. Do I want to do that? I know I should do that. I don't really want to do that. And, and so you make a decision, am I going to do that? Am I not going to do that? Finally make a choice and say, yes, God. And... God, with your help, removes the rock and the stone. And the next stone comes up and the decision-making process kicks up all over again. When you get to this stage, though, illumination and aliveness, we come to an understanding anew that God's way is the best way. We come to a point where we say, this isn't my field, this isn't my garden, my life anymore, it's, it's yours, God. Think this is part of what Romans chapter 12, verse 1 means when it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Depends on the tradition you call, grew up in as to how this is described. Some of you grew up hearing about total consecration to God. Others of you talked, uh, heard about, they talked about making Christ Lord of every area of your life. Other preachers would ask, and this is an old one, is your all on the altar? And uh, just a, an expression of, is, is your whole life there? Uh, whatever you label it, it's, it's about saying yes to God before he asks the question. Total consecration. That's our part. There's usually another phase that comes up right after this. God responds by giving us a, a fresh filling of his spirit. Now, whole denominations have been created over the description of this experience. Some thought you had to experience in this way or that way or a particular way. But God tends to deal with us all differently. 
So we'll have different kinds of experiences. There's not a whole lot of points arguing over labels, but uh, D.L. Moody described it before I was carrying buckets of water, now I have a river who carries me. Free Methodists would describe it as sanctification. However you label it, it's, it's you're totally given up to God and then God comes and, and makes you fully alive. There's this resurgent of his spirit in your life. Back to illumination, the, the gospel has been, been planted, the rocks and the stones have been removed, we've been gro growing, our lives have been maturing, but, we, but now we, we've transferred ownership of the field, ownership of the garden, to Jesus. And it's kind of like he pours miracle grow on that garden, right? And it just grows up and it becomes lush and more fully alive than ever before. Worship and prayer become natural outflows and are, uh, of um, just living out our experience with God. God's experience in all things. We trust God with ourselves. And there is something good that happens there. Does that mean we won't find any rocks or stones or bogs that need to be dealt with? Well, quite the opposite. Now that God has permission to actually go to work in your field, like he never could before, um, you'll find yourself consecrated to him and he'll be working on the broken things, restoring the broken things in a way that he never could before. There's a curious outflow of this. Uh, people who are here often become concerned about the broken and the lost in society. There's in this increasing social concern. It's, it's not done out of obligation, but a deep sense that God has been poured his love into us for others. Primary tendency in, in this is... Uh, stage is a tendency, or primary temptation, I should say, is uh, towards pride, towards self-righteousness. We think somehow we've arrived. So we've made our, our consecration to God, and God responds by filling him with his spirit, and then all of a sudden our heart gets proud, and you can usually tell somebody who's fallen to this particular temptation. They tend to show false humility. They virtue signal rather than being virtuous. They complain about the little things and lose their patience with those whom they deem to be less mature. They become more judgmental, less compassionate. In short, after becoming alive, pride can poison the garden, and we end up pretending that the garden is lusher than it is. And some people will even go about their garden and with a little paintbrush trying to paint the leaves green just so people will think it's green, right? I tell you about these temptations because I want you to know that there is, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, it's possible to travel backwards. But those, for those of you who are willing to fully consecrate their lives to God and experience the aliveness that comes from God, their lives do, do not become idyllic. 
but they become good. The song that most reflects these people, I think, is this. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. The last stage of spiritual growth is called Deep union. I have a bucket list. Things I want to do before I kick the bucket. I want to drive a motorcycle from Vancouver to California. There are places in this world that I want to see, but I also have a spiritual bucket list as well. There are places that I haven't been and experiences I haven't had spiritually. Deep union with Christ is on the top of that list. Tell you that because I, I want you to know that what I'm talking about is beyond where I am, but is where I'm headed by the grace of God. I kind of feel like the Apostle Paul. When Paul is halfway through his, his ministry, he writes this to the church in Philippi. I want to know Christ, yes. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering and becoming like him in death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Catch this. Not that I've already obtained it or already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ has taken hold of me. The destination of our spiritual journey is to enter into this deep love relationship with God. In some ways, it's the maturing of stage three where we've consecrated ourselves and God has made us alive. He responds to us, filling us with his love. But there's a deeper work to be done. There's a posture of yieldedness that comes over time walking with God. Wa watching a person who is living in this way is like watching a, mu a musician playing an instrument in which he or she has total mastery of. Their lives harmonize with the purposes of God in this world. In this stage, God is taking a person's spiritual life profoundly deeper than it was before. Oftentimes, those who have walked this way, God has led them into what is called the dark night of the senses. In the previous stage, we experience real aliveness from the Spirit of God. In this stage, there's a phase where we experience nothing. God says, 
will you trust me even if you don't sense me? Will you trust me even if you don't know the experiences you had before, my comforting presence? And this stage can be heart-rending. God, where are you? Now, some of us have gone through this stage where we've had stuff in our lives that we refused to deal with and we wondered where God was. But this is different. We've been fully surrendered to God. We're walking with God. We're, we're doing all that we know to do and yet he seems to be absent. This is where God breaks our dependencies on emotional and intellectual dependencies. We learn deeply what it means when he says the just shall live by faith. In this time, we, we feel what Jesus felt on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quote from Psalm 22. Yet even in this, the, the destination of our journey is to enter into this deep love relationship with God. God is in the process of removing the space between him and us where the union is complete and unobstructed. The old mystics coming out of, of this time report, sometimes exodus, sometimes quiet contemplative prayer, but they come out deeply integrated with God. I'm not sure that there is a song that describes this. This quietness beyond maturity. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're just waking up to the things of God. Awesome. Or maybe you're in this time of renunciation and cleansing where God's removing the rocks and the stones. Just cooperate with him. Remove the next stone he shows you. Maybe he's got you draining the bogs and healing the hurts and reforming thought structures. Maybe you're at the place of total consecration. I suspect that that's where many of us are headed. And there's some of you who are moving towards a deep, deep union with him. I want to say this. Don't stop. Don't turn back. Don't sit down and become comfortable. Keep going. Don't care how old you are. Keep going. If you're young, keep going. Let us leave, me leave you with one last exhortation, a last encouragement. It's the general answer to the question, how? How do we keep moving forward? Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Father, you know each one of us here. There's none of us who have escaped your sight. Some of us are moving forward in our spiritual journey. Others have sat down in the middle of a path. Others are actually back, uh, walking backwards. 
Help that not to be us, O Lord. Thank you that you take us right where we're at, that you want to lead us on. And so I ask for your leading. Lord, would you show each person what the next step is? I thank you, Lord, because you're good. Lord, we want to enter into this deep, deep, deep love relationship with you. Help that to be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.